Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. Rob Sabourin is a Canadian with more than 30 years of experience leading software development teams. He is a university professor and he wrote a beautiful book called I Am A Bag, the popular software testing children's book. Also, he is an international speaker, program chair of different testing conferences. He, he gives uh, training and consultancy I really like what he offers us uh, just-in-time testing workshops and agile test automation courses that I had the chance to attend one of those uh, a couple of years ago. I decided to divide this interview into different episodes because we started to talk with Rob and spent a lot of time talking. Uh, so if you want to listen to the whole interview, check this episode and the next one. I hope you enjoy it as I did. Hello, Ro. It's a pleasure for me to be talking with you again. Uh, how, are, how are you today? That's really good to see you. I'm, I'm doing great, full of all sorts of energy. In the chaotic world that we're in, I'm surviving. <laughs> Excited to share some ideas with your, your, your audience. Thank you so much for participating. And something that I really like is that you like sharing your knowledge and you like sharing specific experiences that, that you have. Right. I find that I, I find in a broad survey uh, to give people a real example of every concept you're trying to make helps the concept stick. It helps it, it helps it stick. It's like Velcro, you know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, and I know that, you can't map it to your problem necessarily, but if it sticks, then you'll remember, aha, <laughs> Rob talked about this, and then you can sort of dive in deeper in your own, in your own you know, technical and business context. Uh, I also share electronic copies of all my examples and case studies, right? So just, I want people to see examples of real stuff, not just theory, not just rhetoric, not just gabba gabba gabba. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, this is the magic about uh, telling stories, right? Yep, so it's, it's a lot of storytelling. Uh, yeah. That's my style, though. I mean, people know me as a storyteller. Okay, cool. I tell stories. <laughs> and I know you went to, you had the, the chance to visit Uruguay last year, and I miss it. <laughs> yeah, you were you were in California, and I, Uruguay. Yeah. it was wonderful. I, I was to give um, um, a talk at the university and I stayed for, for two weeks and I visited some of your friends down there but I, I basically had a chance to meet some of the testing community, a lot of the uh, university community there which was really cool. I'm very impressed by the, the, the fact that people are doing beautiful graduate work in the area of software engineering and software testing especially. It's very close to my heart. Uh, and little bit of time to see the country and my wife came and we saw that I characterize Uruguay now as a collection of of the places that have beautiful barbecue beef areas. <laughs> lots well, I, of beef, lots of wine. 
I, I, so I, I'm happy that you have the, the you had a great time there. You, I you, felt very welcome. It's a beautiful place. If anyone has a chance to go, it's a wonderful, wonderful part of the world. Thank you. Excellent. The main topic I, I wanted to discuss with you today is related to the something that I, I believe that many testers and, and, and people working in software companies are facing today because of this uh, lockdown situation, because of the COVID-19, which is basically that companies are, are like thinking in different uh ideas or pivoting uh, the, their products or adding specific features or landing pages or or different things in order to find a way to survive for to mm -hmm. guarantee the business continuity uh, and probably because of that many testers are testing under big time restrictions or under pressure mm -hmm. and i know that you have been working in, in uh, in different principles for for working in under for doing testing under pressure so yeah. i would like to see how can we apply those principles under these circumstances nowadays yeah. uh, no that's a, i mean it's very important uh, to to realize that even though today the the constraints of of our, our universe are, are evolving and changing dramatically Uh, still business goes on somehow. <laughs> Things are still happening. And you're right, people are making really difficult decisions uh, of uh, what to do and what not to do. And these decisions land on desks of testers who are now working from home, away from their normal resources and, and teams, and, and they're basically being challenged to, to deal with turbulence. And that turbulence is change. Lots and lots of change. And I, I like to suggest that dealing with turbulence is something that we in testing are actually inherently good at. <laughs> But maybe we don't remember <laughs> that, that we're good at it sometimes. Uh, and so I, I urge people to sort of get back to uh, some f fundamentals and to, to think, think practically. You have skills. <laughs> You have knowledge and you have experience. And applying it might be outside of your comfort zone, but it's not outside of your skill zone. So I want to, want to make sure that people are uncomfortable. That's true. But I think they can succeed. I think they can do really, really well. It's important to, to, to remember what we are and what we know and try to apply all of exactly. this. Exactly. And, and so I, I basically... I basically came up with um, a method of testing many, many years ago called just-in-time testing. This was in the late 1990s that I've started publishing about that and sharing my ideas. And people sort of liked it, but they said, Rob, can you slice it up into chunks, right? Can you slice it? And so I said, oh, yeah, if you want. <laughs> I, I took part of it and said, well, a lot of it is testing under pressure when we don't have time. And I, I looked at this and I said, well, yeah, there's, there's never time. And, and testing is always under pressure. In fact, I, I used to tell people, if you're testing and you don't feel that you're under pressure, what's wrong with your project? Like, <laughs> there's always pressure. And, and so I came up with what I call the five principles of testing under pressure. And there's, there's probably more than, than five, but these are five that I've 
helped people with, I've done myself. I do even like two weeks ago, I was doing live virtual training with courses for people in North Carolina on important software projects, managing medical data. And they were looking at these things saying, yes, we know that, but they didn't think of it the way I was sort of presenting it. And it, it helps people to, to sort of frame it a little bit differently. If I could share them with you, would, that would be probably the best thing uh, to, to do. One, purposeful testing. Two, active context listening. Three, flexible decision-making. Four, triage, ruthless triage. And five, always know the last best bill. These are, these are five names of principles. But each one of them has an incredible bearing on the ability of a tester to work under extremely harsh contexts. Like literally, you walk into the office and you're in a different business. Like it's, you're, you were developing web software on Monday and on Tuesday you're doing mobile devices. And on, on, on Thursday, it's, it's microservices. And it's all changing. Before you finish one thing, the whole project changes. How do you deal with that? And I, I would like to say you can. You can, uh, but it's, it's a question of being able to apply your skills in, in, in these contexts. And I have, of course, for each of these uh, principles, I have all sorts of stories and experiences and stuff like that. But if I was doing things in the sort of COVID-19 universe, I would probably start with the first one, purposeful testing. What is the reason for the project? What is the reason for the change? If you don't know the reason for the change, if you don't know the motivation for the change, how can you decide what to test and what not to test? Edgar Dijkstra in the 1960s demonstrated clearly that testing is intractable. There's no way you can demonstrate a product has no bugs in it by testing. There's always another test. There's an infinite number of tests for even the simplest application. So you always don't have enough time to test everything. You always have too much to test and not enough time. How do you decide what to test, what not to test? First thing is purpose. Why are we doing the project? If I was looking at something and someone threw it at me and I had only one question I could ask my stakeholders, it would be why are we doing this? And if you know why, then you could help answer the question, does this product deliver on the why? If you don't know the why, you're just looking at menus, dialogues, controls, APIs, you could waste hours testing things that don't matter. I don't have time to test something that doesn't matter, so I wanna know why am I testing? Really, I really like this, and, and I think it applies also for any activity you do. Because if you Almost are, anything in life, right? Yeah, that's true. But thinking it's specifically in software development, it's like uh, if you're a programmer, if you're programming something and you don't know why you're doing that, it's, it's the that's same it. thing, right? And, and when you look at uh, failed projects, uh, people blame like uh, uh, onshore, offshore, chaos, communication problems. Most of it is not communications, it's purpose problems. Yeah. On time, on quality, on budget is meaningless unless you're on purpose. In, in chaotic, turbulent circumstances, what I've learned is purpose can help guide me. Purpose can tell me what our stakeholders want to learn about. Purpose can help me decide between two things. Should I test A or B? 
It helps me decide that. It doesn't give me the answer. It doesn't tell me what exact test case to do. That's my skills that are going to help me do that. But it gives me guidance to what is important. And the purposeful testing has to do with a lot of factors. One of the most important ones, as you know, is what is quality. People are usually asking me when they're asking me to test something. They're saying, give me a judgment or statement of quality. I want to learn about quality. Well, what is quality? And quality could be a lot of different things. There's so many views of quality. And if you don't know the view of quality of your stakeholders, then you may deliver a lot of amazing tests and test results that are useless to your stakeholder. Yeah, they'll put it in a box. They'll put it in a, in a binder. They'll put it in a, a spreadsheet. They'll put it in a dashboard. <laughs> if it's on a dashboard, it's, it's a shiny light. Uh, what matters is, is, are we delivering information about the, the stakeholder's view of quality? And I will argue that a popular view of quality used to be, still is pretty much, conformance to requirements, right? Quality is conformance to requirements. That's a Phil Crosby uh, total quality movement uh, view. It's also part of uh, ICQB view of quality. It's part of IEEE view of quality. It's, it's in many places. And another view of quality is goes back to the work of Joseph Duran in the 1950s even, is quality is not conformance to requirements, Quality is suitability to purpose. So conformance to requirements is one view of quality. Suitability to purpose is another view of quality, and they're not the same. If you care about suitability to purpose, you're going to model your test around what the user does. If it's conformance to requirements, you're going to model your tests around what the software does. That's two different models. Neither are right or wrong. It's the stakeholder that matters. So what superpower do you want to use? What stakeholder, do you, what, what skill do you want to use? Ability to elicit information from stakeholders about quality. What matters? And that, that helps you more than that's the first principle. That's, that's really cool. And I, I, you're, you're making me think about a, 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 a really short project we just participated. Uh, because also of this uh, COVID-19, there, there, there was a bunch of companies in, in Uruguay who collaborated in, in building, they, they built, uh, well, we, we also participated doing some, some performance testing, uh, yes. we built a, a, an application for tracking the, the, the different cases uh, and they are publishing the, the official information through, through the app. And it was amazing to see different companies that haven't co collaborated before mm -hmm. in a very short period of time, and uh, they they been able to release a, a, an application that it's working. And, and and I think one of the main reasons that why this uh, could work it 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 was because there was a. A very strong motive, a very strong motivation behind that. A sense of purpose. Yes, totally. So I, I really like uh, what you mentioned. There you go. Well, it's the beginning. It's yeah. the, without that, nothing else matters. If you if you accept my my opinion, okay. Yeah, it's like the initial. Impose it, but I believe it's true. <laughs> the initial fuel, right? I'd like to thank my team, Abstracta, for sponsoring and helping me to create this podcast. 
Structase a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your products and processes to the next level. Yeah, but there's more, there's more. And uh, uh, the, second, uh, the second principle is active context listening. Uh, when, when you are faced with turbulence and a lot of things are changing around you, certainly um, tools of testing and software engineering like traceability can help you, right? If this traces to that, if something changes, it helps guide you. And regression testing helps you build confidence. But there's nobody in your company whose job it is, is to tell you when a factor changes that influences how you should react to these things. Active context listening puts the onus on the tester to look for changes in context, to hunt them down, to watch for them, and then to say, okay, now how we're working might be different because a business technical, organizational, or cultural factor around the project has changed. And if that's changed, then the focus and scope of testing probably has changed. I don't have time when I'm working under pressure to test the wrong thing. I want to test the right thing. Just because I started testing it yesterday doesn't mean I have to finish testing it today. So I like to listen and figure out ways to learn about context. And I found that a lot of testers know this, but they make the mistake of expecting somebody to go and give you the magical information. There's no one who's paid to do that. You're paid to test the software. You should be part of what your job is, is to learn, to stick your nose everywhere, to learn what are these factors. And when you start, uh, you might think it's silly a bit, but after a while, you'll see that by knowing who to talk to to learn about factors, like you might talk to a salesman, or you might talk to the accounting department, or you might talk to the production department, or the DevOps guys. I don't know who it is, but somebody knows the, the factors, and these factors influence what matters. These are called context factors and context listening, and it is I know testers have the skill of changing testing if context factors change. But what they don't often realize is it's their job to look for the change. Act really, don't just be reactive, be proactive. This is, it's not like we're working under turbulence. We have to get something shipped. It's, it's not going to wait for you to do a big analysis. And nobody's job is to tell you. So you have to look and learn. And over, the, over time, you'll learn who these people are so that when you're under pressure, under the gun, you'll be able to use that information. I don't think that it takes five minutes to learn who to get context from. But I think that if with time you build a nice catalog of people and eventually you start learning how to learn about context and you're starting to do things like looking at the, look at literally the sales funnel or something like that, some object in the company that is not really for technical purposes, but that's going to guide you into what's important. So that's active context listening. And it's mainly listening to the, to the right people, right? The right people, and, and they don't even know that they're telling you something that's useful for testing. Because <laughs> they, they're doing their job. They have on their job description, tell testing about this. 
they don't have that. But if I if I talk to them, and they'll say, oh yeah, hi Rob, uh, here's what's happening. So, oh wow, this is happening. And then if even if you know deployments of customers, you could change the priority of things. Different customers use different features in different ways. If you only have a few hours to test, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You'll look at the people who are going to be using the actual software, not the people who aren't using it. And the people who have this knowledge are usually in contract departments, not in technical departments. It's not the programmer yeah. to tell you that. It's the programmer to tell you what could break. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know? there, are, there are two different skills that are associated with this. One is listening and the other is asking good questions. Good questions. Then now you're nailing it because that's the first. It's the same thing with purpose, same thing with active context listening. But you know, the, the best testers, and you've worked with a lot of testers. I've worked with a lot of testers. The best testers are people who can learn. And learning is, is, is really what we're doing when we're testing, in my opinion. And it's about asking questions. So that's, that's the underlying skill that I'm sure experienced testers have it. Just use it, you know. So context Is, is for me, the COVID thing is all about context changing right now. It's really how, how we do business is changing. Uh, there's some things that we used to do that we don't do anymore. So if you don't do it anymore and you have a time to test A or B and we're not doing B anymore, well, I would figure out a way to test B lighter, shallower <laughs> than I would test A more thoroughly. And I figure out a way to balance the scope and, and, and uh, depth of testing based on the realities of today. Now, maybe in, in five um, weeks when things go back to normal or whenever it is, maybe B is going to matter again. But between now and then, even after it's deployed, we can still testing. No one said you have to stop testing just because you deployed the software. It's just risks you're learning about after you've deployed it. Yeah, and, and, and probably this makes more sense now. Really For some projects, it does today yeah, but, but mainly mainly because the context is changing very drastically from one day to the other it's like every day you, there, you yeah there is a lot of new information or different sources and, and you also have to distinguish which source well, of information is good and which one is not do you tr that's it but that's where you get the the notion of active listening is is what is your trusted source of information yeah and can you get closer to the source than the interpretation of it Uh, if you have a lot of time and you're on a waterfall project and you have a test manager with two months to analyze things, <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. But I'm talking about the real world here, turbulence. Yeah. You, you know, someone's throwing it at you at the last minute. What do you do? You, know, you don't have a whole phase for analysis. You have to get going. So this is where you know, context listening is critical. Cool. Yep. As I said at the beginning, I decided to divide this interview into different parts. So if you are enjoying this uh, conversation, check the next episode. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios, amigos.